Okay, boys and girls, it's now time for Treks in Sci-Fi. Hello again, Treks in Sci-Fi listeners. This is Rico, and this is podcast show number 99 for January the 21st, 2007. Next week will be show 100, of course. Got uh, a good one, though, this week for you. We're going to do a Deep Space Nine episode, a a Klingon Deep Space Nine episode called Blood Oath, which is a a real good, exciting episode, I think. Got some listener um, audio and calls that uh, I've collected for the past week or so. Uh, Some other news, Trek news, sci-fi information, the usual fun, uh, a nice collectible to look at as well. So stand by. Here we go. Rico, re 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 Rico. Tracks in sci-fi. Tracks in sci-fi. Captain, incoming message. A weekly dose of sci-fi and Star Trek information. Shut up, Wesley. Shut up, Wesley. I know this ship like the back of my hand. Well, as always, I'd like to welcome everyone to the podcast this week. Uh, thanks to Nathan uh, again for uh, that intro audio. Really like that and appreciate it, uh, Nathan. Uh, thanks for sending that in. Uh, I asked for him to uh, kind of trim down the uh, intro music that he did last for last time's uh, last week's show, but um, I think uh, this one's pretty good. Good amount of time. So thanks a lot for that, Nathan. Well, I hope everyone is doing well today. It's uh, kind of another cold winter morning on this Sunday here uh, in Michigan where I live. Uh, just uh, as I'd like to do, thanks to uh, everyone that's uh, downloaded this episode of the podcast to listen to. Uh, I really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, also, uh, if you get a chance, check out the uh, the website at TrekSF or TreksInSciFi.com. Lots of new things going on there. And uh, with that in mind, uh, and the forums are really starting to uh, grow and take off. I've mentioned uh, last show or two about that. And our uh, longtime friend of the show, Kenny, from California, took it upon himself to uh, gather up some audio comments from from various forum members uh, about what they like about the forums, what they like about the, the show and, and Treks and Sci-Fi in general, and uh, really put together a nice piece of audio which uh, I'm going to play for you uh, right now. Hey Rico, it's Kenny from California, also known as Star Trek Fanatic 5 on the forums, and I'm also the moderator on the forums. I wanted to invite all your listeners to come check out the forum. The forums is a great place to get the latest sci-fi and fantasy news. We also discuss the latest movies, TV shows, gaming, books, collectibles, and comic books. And there's a special section for Star Trek and Star Wars. The forums are fun and informative. Here's a few comments from other members of the forum. This is Jeff. Jenna Jeff on the forums. I'd like to say how much I enjoy the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. The forum members post on a lot of great sci-fi topics. I enjoy the different forum areas, with the collecting being my favorite. The Treks and Sci-Fi forums make the podcast more enjoyable for me. I encourage other listeners to join and participate. This is Dukin or Sam, if you've heard me on the podcast. And I like them because I'm a geek. And being a geek, I get picked on, even beat up, called names. And I don't like that. It's not very fun at all. I mean, everyone's gone through that. But 
at the Treks and Sci-Fi forums. We could do anything. We could talk about Star Trek, Star Wars, games, movies, everything, Battlestar Galactica, heroes. Um, have a great time on those forums. Uh, catch you later. Peace. Hey, everybody out there in podcast land. I'm Moyer777. There are four lights. That's my son, four lights. <laughs> Stop it. Jeez. Picard. Go take an aspirin or something. Jeez. Hey, anyway, uh, we're commenting on the forums on treksandsci-fi.com because we really like the forums. I've been involved in some other forums out there on the Internet, and uh, I have to say that we always get in fights and people put each other down. It's no fun. But in this particular forum, it's really a blast because we all have one thing in common, our love for Trek and for sci-fi-related things. So it's really fun. It's a community of people from all sorts of walks and ranges of life and uh, all getting together and talking about the cool episodes and the cool collectibles and the just all that sci-fi stuff. It's a blast. So we recommend that you be part of it. I, I really enjoy the forums because I think that we're able to talk about you know, sci-fi and Star Trek unlike other people where we could just like walk into a store and we try talking to somebody about Star Trek or Star Wars or whatever. Actually, usually Star Wars people understand, but Star Trek, they um, usually look you weird in the eye if you start trying to say like a quote or something. And we recommend it for anybody that's listening to the podcast. Rico rocks! Rock, dude. Hi there. Do you love Star Trek? Do you enjoy science fiction? Are you crying out for somewhere to share your thoughts and opinions on all things sci-fi? Are you geeky enough? And do you enjoy chatting with other geeks? If so, then go to treksf.com and sign up for the forums. I did, and now I'm geekier than ever. So, come along, join the fun, and remember, the geek shall inherit the earth. Trekkie Geek, signing off. As you can hear, we have a great time on the forums, so stop on by and check it out. Go to treksf.com, click on the forums link, and sign on up. Hope to see you on the boards. Well, thanks a lot again, uh, Kenny, for putting all that together, and thanks to everyone that uh, sent in their audio comments and participated uh, in in putting together that great little promo for the forums uh, or the website. Uh, I'm not going to dilly-dally too uh, around too much dilly-dally. Uh, who says that? Anyway. <laughs> Today, i uh, got a lot to cover. got a whole uh, Deep Space Nine episode to go over uh, with audio clips from that uh, very soon here. i got a couple other audio comments uh, from listeners to go over first, though. want to mention just a few things uh, about Show 100 coming up next weekend. Uh, again, first, uh, send in your audio about what Star Trek means to you to treksf at gmail.com or call the voicemail line 206-88-TREKS got about a half a dozen uh, audio files so far lined up for that uh, section of uh, Podcast 100. Got a few other uh, topics and sections for the show that I'm working on still beyond that, of course. But I'd like to get uh, everyone else's view and opinions on, on Trek and you know just about what you've uh, liked about it, uh, maybe uh, conventions you've gone to, any, any little comment for a minute or two you want to send in uh, for that show. I am. Uh, the plan right now is I'm going to record uh, show 100 next Saturday. I'm going to record it live with my webcam going next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. That will be January the 27th at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You will see if you go to the treksf.com website, then you will see the webcam up and going, and I will be recording away on that show. 
I will also put a post up later this week confirming that because it's possible that time might change slightly, but it will be Saturday recorded and Sunday the 28th it will be released. So that's the, uh, the scoop right now for show 100. Hey everyone, this is Scott Johnson from the Extra Life Radio Show. You're listening to Treks in Sci-Fi with my friend Rico. an audio uh, call here from a gentleman. Uh, his name is uh, Rick, actually. We've got a lot of Ricks floating around on the forums and fans of the show these days, it seems like. But Rick has a comment about Leonard Nimoy's uh, one-man show that's kind of touring the country right now. So here's Rick's comment on a Leonard's show. Hi, Rico. This is uh, Rick. Um, how are you doing? I uh, wanted to just Share with you, I had a really amazing experience over the weekend. Um, I had a chance to listen to Leonard Nimoy speak. He does a one-man sort of a memories of Star Trek over the past 40 years type of uh, presentation that he does in um, theaters across the country. And he happened to stop by my hometown where we have a theater, and it was uh, 7:30. Um, PM performance that lasted about an hour and a half, and it was amazing. It was not all about Star Trek. It was really more of a reflection of his entire career and his childhood and how Star Trek played into his life and how it still continues to play a big role in his life and how much he really, really does appreciate uh, Star Trek. Um, so I don't know if anybody else has had an opportunity to go to this show, but if it's in your area and you have an opportunity, I would highly recommend it. Um, Leonard is actually a pretty funny guy. Um, the group who was there were probably all in their, I would say, mid-20s to mid-40s um, who you know, are Star Trek fans and appreciating his work as well as his photography. So, um, again, if anybody has an opportunity to go to that show. I highly recommend it. It was awesome, and uh, Nimoy still got it. So, talk to you later. Bye. Thanks very much, Rick, for those comments. Uh, yeah, I'm not sure in the Detroit area if, uh, in Michigan, if uh, Leonard's going to make it over here. Uh, I will try to do some uh, digging and see if there's a links, uh, link up somewhere of the various cities uh, and shows he's going to be doing, and if I can find something, I will put it into the podcast notes for this week's podcast uh i'm sure there's something out on the web just have to do a little searching for that so thanks for that uh comment on leonard show rick okay we got another one more call here to play uh this is from john he had some comments about my uh sh- character profile show that i put out just uh the middle of last week on captain kirk and a little bit more information about kirk's father so here's john's uh call Hey Rico, this is John in Southern California. Hey, uh, I don't uh, normally have the means to listen to podcasts, but a friend of mine looks to listen to it through his iPod at work from time to time. And I recently heard your your podcast about uh, Captain Kirk, and I just wanted to put in that uh, George Samuel Kirk, Commander in Starfleet Security, James Kirk's father, was actually the first first officer 
of the Enterprise NCC-1701. And was the one who named it. This took place on the maiden voyage. Um, it's an interesting story. It's a long story, so I won't get too far into it. Basically, it was also the first time they ever actually met the Romulans. Kirk's generation, that is. And it was also on the return from that maiden voyage that Enterprise received its name. While Captain April had been incapacitated and was in sickbay, and Commander Kirk was in command, and they responded to a distress call from a civilian liner trapped in an ion storm. When the passenger liner asked who was, what, who was responding to their call, Commander Kirk thought, what an Enterprise, and just said, this is the USS Enterprise. And there you have it, the ship was named. Anyway, uh, I like what I hear on your podcast, and uh, perhaps I'll get, get the means to listen to it myself sometime. And, uh, hey, you're doing a good job. Thanks. Live long and prosper. Peace and long life. Out. Well, thanks very much, John, for, uh, for your audio uh, call-in about uh, Kirk's father, uh, George Samuel Kirk. Yeah, that uh, everything John was discussing there basically is outlined in the Star Trek book, the Star Trek novel Final Frontier by Diane Carey, which uh, which I've read and is a really good book. I think I kind of mentioned that on the Kirk show that I did, that basically the information about Kirk's father, uh, the, the main details of that are, are, are really outlined not on in any of the movies or TV shows, but in that book, Final Frontier, uh, with George... Uh, Kirk aboard the Enterprise under the command of Robert April at the time, and they meet up with the Romulans and everything. So so thanks uh, for that, John. And I did want to mention, even people without MP3 players and iPods, if you go to the treksf.com website, on the right-hand column side, there is something that looks like a mini little iPod Nano. If you uh, if you push play in there, the controls are pretty simple. You will pull up all the recent episodes of the podcast, and you can stream the audio for the podcasts and listen to them right on a computer. So as long as you have a, uh, a computer, an internet connection, and some kind of speakers or headphones or something to plug in, you can listen to the audio uh, directly that way rather than uh, you know via iTunes and an iPod and all that, which, which of course is another way to do it. But I just wanted to mention that. I'm not sure if I've talked about that on the show much before, but uh, all you really need is an internet connection. Go to treksf.com uh, to listen to the podcast. So uh, that's it for listener uh, comments and audio that uh, they've sent in. Uh, thanks again. Always appreciate those calls. And in a moment, we will be getting to uh, the Star Trek episode, or the Deep Space Nine Star Trek episode, excuse me, Blood Oath. But first, we're going to play the 30-second uh, preview for that to get us warmed up. So here we are going ahead with that now. You can't expect me to stay here and not avenge my own godson's murder. Dax joins a band of Klingon warriors. Come and fight with us. On a mission of vengeance. I took a blood oath to avenge his death. Now she'll turn her back on Starfleet. What about the laws of the Federation? I risk her life. It is a good day to die in a battle to the death. Get them! On the next episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Okay, so there you have the uh, preview uh, video uh, or audio of the video for the preview. Let's say that again. <laughs> Excuse me, for the episode Blood Oath. This episode is uh, 
from Deep Space Nine's second season. Uh, one thing I forgot to mention about next week's uh, live uh, show 100, uh, excuse me for taking a little detour here for a second, but I'm going to do some uh, like live on-air trivia questions and some some contests and some prizes and that. So uh, if you uh, enjoy the show, please uh, uh, come on over or stay tuned or w- what am I trying to say? <laughs> excuse me, everybody. Uh, you know, I hope you uh, you join in next week's live show. Basically, you just go to the website at the time I said, and there will be something called Stickam running with the webcam going, and you can join a little chat room, which is why, which is how I interact with uh, the people that view uh, the live show. So let's get that out of the way and get on to uh, Deep Space Nine's Blood Oath. Okay, uh, Deep Space Nine, Blood Oath episode. Uh, this one's towards the end of the second season. The characters are pretty well established. Uh, the episode was written by a guy named Peter Allen Fields who wrote uh, several uh, Trek episodes. It is a, uh, it's kind of a unique episode and one I enjoy uh, being a big uh, original series fan that I am. Of course, this is the episode that uh, brings back three uh, Klingon characters that were first seen in the original series. I'm talking about Kor... Koloth and Kang. Uh, these characters, uh, core from the episode Errand of Mercy, played by John Kalikos. I, I can never say his name properly. Uh, I apologize. Uh, we have Koloth, who was seen in the original series episode The Trouble with Tribbles. Uh, he's played by William Campbell. And uh, Kang, of course, from the original series episode Day of the Dove, who is played by uh, Michael Anacera. And Sarah, I'm sorry, I'm terrible with names. I apologize, but anyway, you've got three original series Klingons coming back for an episode of Deep Space Nine. Uh, originally, the the storyline here was that they were going to have this as sort of the Klingon episode that you see, and and Jazia Dax was going to be involved in all that. And then someone got the idea, well, why don't we bring back some of the original series Klingons for this episode? Now, of course, the big uh, you know, concern, question mark, what they, what they, would they do was the fact that the Klingons in, in TNG and beyond, well, even starting from Star Trek The Motion Picture, looked different. Uh, and they made the decision that basically Kang, Koloth, and uh, Kor would all look like the the new versions of the Klingons with the weird longer hair and, and funny uh, forehead and all that stuff, uh, much more involved makeup than they had, of course, on the original series. You know, they had a few ideas how they'd explain this. It was ex- sort of explained in a, in a few episodes of uh, Deep Space Nine in an Enterprise. They even explained it more so that there was sort of a g- genetic kind of mutation thing going on. But but their idea basically here was that uh, the original series, uh, that the that the Klingons always basically looked like, the, like this, that these three Klingons would always have looked like this, that the makeup in the original series was just limited because of budgets and things like that. So beyond, you know, get past, I guess, the makeup uh, question and that, the fact they don't look like the way they did originally. They also had ideas that it was because these Klingons were so old uh, that maybe they they slowly changed their appearance, uh, Klingons, as they age. But that doesn't really completely hold true because, uh, you know, Worf is not an older Klingon and he looks like that, or he looks with the bumpy forehead situation and all that, but... uh, uh, enough, I guess, about the the makeup in that situation. I, I thought it was a great thing to bring back the original series uh, characters and, and the ones that we remember from the original uh, show. Uh, they they are pretty much acting like they did then. Kang is a very honorable. Kor is uh, 
is, is sort of a uh, kind of become a crazy old guy, which you'd almost expect from the way you saw him in Errand of Mercy. He's 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 a very intelligent uh, character, and Koloth is just uh, you know has become this fighter, and, and which is sort of how you saw him in Trouble with Tribbles to some degree. He was supposed to be sort of an, an antagonist for Kirk at that time, so. It was neat to bring these guys back, and I, they do a great job in this episode. Uh, wonderful actors uh, really do a good job and um, interacting with uh, Dax's character, too, very well in the episode. Yeah, the, the basic premise of the episode is that uh, long, long ago, when the, these Klingons were much younger and Dax was uh, Curzon Dax, they had formed a blood oath because their, their sons were killed by this guy, uh, this character called the Albino. And uh, there, there's some audio here that will explain it a little bit more. If you haven't seen the episode or haven't seen it in a long time, it uh, it goes through that. But basically, this blood oath is a is a very uh, Klingon ritual thing. Basically, that these uh, three Klingons and Curzon Dax at the time, uh, decades past, took to avenge the the deaths of their sons, and they um, they go on this sort of uh, almost sort of a magnificent seven kind of mission to take this guy out. It's sort of a revenge tale in a way, but there's a lot more to it. Uh, I'm going to get into the audio clips now. The first one is uh, Kor first shows up on Deep Space Nine, and he's kind of in the hollow suite and drunk and disorderly, and and uh, Odo ends up having to throw him in the brig. And this first clip is a, a discussion right after that incident. So here we go with the, the first audio clip for Blood Oath. Security reassignments, Major. Sorry it took so long. It's been a Klingon afternoon. A Klingon afternoon? Every time Klingons visit the station, I wind up with a Klingon afternoon. But this is definitely one I'll cherish forever. There's a drunken Klingon in my holding cell, must be a hundred years old, singing battle songs. (laughs) Even his best friend, who's probably a hundred and fifty years old, won't have anything to do with him. So I get the pleasure of listening to his repertoire. Kor, Dahar, master of the Klingons. Did you say Kor? That's what he announced right after winning the Battle of Clark de Kelbracht at Forks. What is he doing here? Did you get his friend's name? Was it Kang? No, it was Koloth. Come with me, Odo. Yeah, so so Dax knows these Klingons. Uh, she's uh, She knows, you know, who they hang out with, who their friends are, and so she's going to go down and check out, uh, check Core out, and what's going on. A couple things. Uh, Terry Farrell, I think, does a great job in this episode uh, as uh, sort of trying to deal with things that happen to her. You know, these trills that are, uh, you know, end up with different hosts over the years. You know, if you think about that situation, you know, what would you, you know, it's would you have to deal with uh, what happened in you know your previous host, what they did, uh, who they were friends with, who they were enemies with, uh, things that they did in their lives? Would you be responsible for all of that or, or not? Uh, you know, it's obviously she has those memories. So throughout this episode, she feels a great debt and a responsibility to these Klingons to help them out. Uh, you know, one of the great things about Deep Space Nine, I thought that they, they really got a chance to do, especially when Worf came aboard. He's not aboard uh, yet in this episode. But they really got a chance to really dig down, dig deep into the Klingon culture, uh, what they believe in, what their values are. And you can see in this, uh, of course, Klingons have always been very honorable, and they, they take uh, an oath like this, a blood oath like this, very, very seriously. 
and it's uh, it's something that Jed Ziadax feels very strongly. So I, I think Terry Farrell really does a good job of the the conflict that she's going through here and deciding what to do throughout this uh, this particular episode. The next uh, next clip up that I've got is uh, a discussion once they meet up with. Uh, I think this is at the point where they've got all three of them together: Kang, Koloth, and Kor. Uh, and they're in, uh, I think it's Jedzia's quarters, and they're discussing uh, about this uh, this albino guy and where he's at and that they've been able to find him. So here's that clip now. Kang, do you remember the first time we sat together over Bachgol? It was the Korvac colony. The Federation and the Klingon Empire were still enemies. I never sat with you before today. I'm Dax, godfather of your son. You are no one's godfather. I am Dax, godfather of your son. So, you are the same Dax who took a blood oath with us to seek vengeance? Don't mistake a new face for a new soul, King. I still feel at one with your family just as I did eight decades ago. I hope one day you'll embrace me as a brother again. Brother? <laughs> Oh, brother, sister, what's the difference? We're all here now. Speak to us, Kang. Where is he? Where did you find the albino? Seven years ago, on Deus Four, I met one of the albino's discarded wives. I fed and clothed her. I told her the story of our sons. She still feared him and told me nothing. Three months ago, she died. A week afterwards, an amulet she wore around her neck was delivered to me by messenger. In it was a location of the albino sanctuary. Are you certain that he's still there? I have confirmed it with traders who supply him. It is on the fourth planet of the Sakara system. He has been hiding there for nearly a quarter of a century. Hiding from us, no doubt. <laughs> I have been told he only has 40 men in his compound. Evidently, he's become very lax in his waning years. <laughs> the fool. Yeah, it's really a uh, really nice scene there. You get all the Klingons together reminiscing and talking about this uh, this blood oath and, and the uh, the situation with Dax and, and how um, Kang has tracked... Uh, track this guy down this albino guy down it's uh it's it's a good little era scene and you can see these guys are just you know these guys are top-notch actors and it really comes through even with all the klingon makeup on uh they do a great job they really uh, uh I, I guess maybe the phrase is they they really have a they, they chew the scene scenery chewing i don't know if that's the right way to put it but i don't know i think they do a, an excellent job uh as uh klingons it's kind of uh it's almost too bad that you never got to see much more of them in the original series. I, I think that would have been a, a really good thing. But, you know, the original series was written a lot differently. Just get off on a, si a little bit of a tangent for a second. You know, it was very standalone episodes, unlike uh, Deep Space Nine especially, which had, a you know, very character-driven uh, story arcs, things like that going on, lots of depth and and things that were filled in over the seasons that they progressed uh a lot different than the original series. You know, when you saw a guest star in the original series, you really never saw him again. But Deep Space Nine, you know, they brought in uh, guest people, a lot of uh, Bajoran characters, Cardassian characters, Klingons, and everything over the seasons that really add a lot of 
depth and character to the show, which I, which I really liked. I think, uh, in a way, Deep Space Nine does that best of all the Trek series. They re- really give you a lot, uh, a lot of information. You really get to know the characters well, and, and it helps a lot for this episode here. And you learn a lot more about Curzon Dax. You learn he was a diplomat, that he helped uh, with some of the initial peace treaties with the Klingons. Uh, you learn that uh, he was very uh, much like a Klingon in a way, thought like them, knew them, and uh, it adds a lot to a Jadia's character, who, you know, up until that point a little bit, and she had some other episodes that, that made her character, you know, gave you more information and made her character stand out, but, you know, until then, she's kind of soft in a way, I, I think. I mean, you know, I, I hate to say it, but the, you know, the Kira, they made the tough one kind of uh, on Deep Space Nine, and Dax was kind of the science officer, not really all that uh, threatening. But by the end of this episode, you look at her a little differently. And this kind of uh, almost kind of sets the stage in a way for how she gets involved with Worf later on and uh, her her sort of liking and appeal to, uh, to the Klingon uh, culture and the Klingon people. You, you understand a lot more about that and, and why, in a, in a way, she ends up with a Klingon for a husband. So uh, so that's, uh, I think, a lot uh, a lot more to offer for uh, for her character and a lot more information that's really interesting stuff. So let's go, uh, let's go on for the audio here. Uh, the next clip, there's a scene where uh, Dax is talking to uh, Major Kira, to Kira Nerys, uh, about uh, Kira and her situation when she was in the uh, Bajoran resistance when the the Cardassians occupied Bajor in Deep Space Nine, uh, Dax kind of asks Kira, you know, what was it like and uh, how many people did you kill and, you know, what, you know, how did that affect you? How did that make you feel to some degree? And and Kira doesn't really want to talk about it, but they go in, they do end up going into a little bit of a conversation because of that. And uh, I think it's a, it's a really uh, good part of the episode and it shows that, you know, Dax isn't really a cold-blooded killer, even though there's this blood oath and revenge uh, going on uh, for her to go run out with these Klingons and just go after this guy just with the sole purpose of taking him out. Uh, is uh, It's hard for her to do, and she she's trying to learn a little bit about all that from Kira. So here's the clip. Eighty years ago, there was a band of depredators led by an albino raiding Klingon colonies. Three Klingon warships were sent to stop him. One of the captains was a close friend of Curzon's. The mission was successful. Most of them were captured. But the albino escaped. In his last message to the Klingons, he promised to take revenge on the firstborn of each of the three captains. A few years later, he kept his word. Somehow, he infected three innocent children with a genetic virus that killed them. One of them was my godson. I'm sorry. But Jadzia... That was Curzon's godson. I took a blood oath to avenge his death. Curzon took a blood oath. I can still remember the boy's funeral. He was named Dax for me. You found this albino. 
We know where he is. The three Klingons came here to tell me that. Look, you've said yourself, every new life for a Trill has to be a new life. If not, you'd wind up paying off old debts forever. These Klingons can't possibly expect you to keep this oath. No, they don't. It's just it. They say I have no obligation to them. But I do. I know it. I feel it. If not to them, I owe it to Curzon. Jetia. Your questions about my experience with killing, if you're wondering what it's like. When you take someone's life, you lose a part of your own as well. Yeah, good scene there with Kira and Dex uh, talking about, uh, it gives you a good explanation about this whole blood oath and the albino situation and how that all happened. Uh, you know, you also learn in this episode, I didn't mention it yet, but obviously uh, Klingons live pretty long lives. They can get pretty old, just like Vulcans. Uh, you know, sometimes I think that they did that so they could bring back some of the characters from the original series into the TNG era with the Vulcans. Uh, Romulans also live old, uh, a long, older uh, lives, longer lives, I should say. And, uh, of course, the Klingons here, you learn that too. But um, anyway, let's, uh, let's move on. The next clip, this is obviously uh, still, like I said, a burden on Dex, what she's, she's going to do, even though she feels this big uh, commitment. And, of course, you've got to have a scene in here where um, Cisco, who is uh, probably the closest friend she has on Deep Space Nine, who knew, uh, you know, uh, Cisco knew Curzon Dax very well. They were very close. And he comes to uh, Dax's quarters as she's getting ready to basically leave and uh, accompany the Klingons on this you know, basically a revenge mission. So uh, here's that scene for you. I was just about to come see you. No. No what? No leave of absence. Kira shouldn't have told you. Kira is my first officer. I don't have to tell you what this oath meant to Curzon. Jatzia Dax took an oath too when she joined Starfleet. You're subject to orders, Lieutenant. Don't do it, Benjamin. Don't make me disobey a direct order. I never understood this. I mean, whatever else Curzon was, he did have a fundamental morality. He wouldn't condone murder any more than I would. And yet he swore to kill this albino, and now you plan to go out and kill in his name. What about the laws of the Federation? The Klingons have their own set of laws. This is justice to them. And to you? I've chosen to respect their codes of honor in this matter, yes. You really think you're capable of doing this? I don't know. There's only one way to find out, isn't there? Let's say you are. Let's say you even survive this insanity. You expect to come back here and resume your duties as though nothing's happened? I guess that'll be up to you. Yeah, so, uh, so like, I'm going to go kill this Klingon, and then I'll come back, and, uh, you know, I'll uh, run some more sensor scans and stuff for you. Sure, no problem. <laughs> <laughs> That's, uh, but you know the fact that that uh, Dax, uh, that Jadzia and Cisco are such good friends is is probably about the only way she gets away with what she's about to do, and it's um, it's really um, really shows how deep their friendship goes 
he's trying to stop her, but you know, in in reality, if she has to, she'll you know, I'm done with Starfleet. This is my duty to these Klingons that I took this oath for. And she's very, uh, you know, she's very much like a Klingon down deep. Uh, you learn very honorable, even though she might not agree all the way with what they're going to do. She made a commitment, and she's going to stick to it. So. The next clip that I've got is aboard the uh, bird of prey that these guys have to go to this uh, place where the albino is, this uh, system where he's holding up, uh, kind of waiting for them, actually, in a way. But the uh, the clip here explains a little bit about uh, Jedzia's plan. Rather than, uh, you know, Kang just wants to, like, blast and fight their way in, even though uh, the albino has got all kinds of uh, sentries and people there and weapons and things, but Jadzia's got a few ideas of her own which help them, so listen to this. You know what, King? I think you Klingons embrace death too easily. You treat death like a lover. I think living is a lot more attractive. I think an honorable victory is better than an honorable defeat. I know the albino's defenses. There is no chance of victory here. What if they had no phasers? That might make the odds a little better, don't you think? How do you intend to disarm them all? When we establish a low orbit, we modulate your disruptor banks to bombard the compound with tetrion particles. Every directed energy weapon would be neutralized. You're certain such a thing could be done? Well, if Curzon were here, you'd be out of luck, but Jadzia Dax is a science officer. We would also be unable to use our disruptors. But who among them could match our skills with a Batleth? Not many. We're about 40 minutes from the Sakara system. I think we should cloak, and then you and I, old friend, should sharpen our blades too. Yeah, be a little smarter, you know, Klingons. Uh, just just blast your way through these this place. Uh, use uh, what Jadzia has in mind. This uh, episode's got some great fight uh, stuff going on, great choreography. Uh, Dan Mandalone, I think is his name, uh, stunt coordinator for Deep Space Nine, does a great job. Uh, Dennis McCarthy's doing the uh, uh, the music for this episode, too, and you won't really pick it up as much from the audio that I'm playing since I'm not doing the whole episode through, but if you get a chance, take a look and watch this episode again. Some great music, especially during the, uh, the fighting that's going to be coming up here in a couple minutes uh, when I play those uh, clips for you. You know, this episode is is about honor, uh, about doing what you've committed to, I think, and uh, and how far that would take you, and, and you know, kind of like also the uh, you know your what's going on in your past, how much you were responsible for that, how much is Jadzia responsible for what Curzon did and go through. Uh, a lot of neat things, a lot of neat uh, ideas, and again, what's what to me, what makes Star Trek. Uh, really good and really rich in a way is is these kinds of ideas and themes it's not just uh you know not just an average everyday type tv show it makes you think a little bit and and this episode is a, a real good one along those lines and i think it really holds up well over the years this was first broadcast back in um gosh it's over uh 13 about 13 years ago it was broadcast first in march of 1994 so uh that's another great thing about sci-fi and trek uh you know you can watch these things years later and they're not so tied into a certain time period, so it's still fun to see them again. So let's uh, let's go on. The next clip, we're getting uh, – they get, of course, to the planet. They work their way to uh, the albino's compound. I like that the fact that you just – they always call this guy an albino. 
you know, he's not doesn't have a really a name. He's this white haired. Uh, I I'm not really sure. Maybe somebody will uh, send me in a little quick audio file or an email or something on this. But he kind of looks like a Klingon, but I'm not sure about that. You know, he's he's got a little bit of a funny forehead, but I'm not completely positive he's actually supposed to be a Klingon too, like an albino Klingon. I'm not really sure on that. So maybe somebody who knows more about that uh, particular aspect of this episode could uh, shoot me an email or an audio comment. Uh, I'd like to know. But uh, they do get to the compound, they make their way there, and, uh, well, let me play the next clip. This is sort of as they get into the compound, blast their way through the main door, and are starting to fight uh, their battle into getting toward uh, killing the albino. I can't make contact with the power station! They must have already broken through the inner defense line. Move the perimeter guards into the house, sir! Without power, we have no communications! Then get out there and tell them yourself! I don't want that Klingon filth to get in this Look upon your executioners, killer of children! Get them! Well, maybe that kind of answered my question already in that clip. I remember hearing that when I was collecting the audio, but, you know, the the albino guy there yells out, I don't want that Klingon filth in here. Uh, Maybe that means he's not a Klingon. I kind of think he's not. That's the way I was kind of leaning, but I'm not completely positive. Maybe he's uh, just a a weird albino-looking Klingon who doesn't really like the Klingons anymore because he doesn't look like them, perhaps. I don't know. No big deal, really. Oh, I don't always, and I basically don't do it anymore at all, say spoilers or anything like that at the beginning of these podcasts when I go over episodes. I'm assuming people uh, either have seen it or, or don't mind hearing what happens, but we're, we're gonna, I'm going to toss that out there now because there's some things happen here towards the end of the episode that are a little, um, well, if you haven't seen it, I wouldn't want to spoil it for you. Let's just put it that way. So with that said, the next few minutes will be sort of a, a sp- pretty big spoilers for this episode. Okay, everyone ready? All right, the next clip. I'm just going to play it for you, and then I'll come back and talk about it. I will not die before you do, you thunderous bulk. The story of your courage will never die. I will sing the story. The children of all Klingons will know of this day. Yeah, so that was uh, that was Koloth. Uh, he had been wounded, and he dies. Uh, Kor says he'll sing his you know praises of him, like the Klingons do when the Klingons die. They uh, well, they do that little scream to uh, uh, scare off uh, you know the Klingon heaven or whatever they Stovakor uh, to say that a Klingon warrior is about to enter, and then uh, so Koloth's out of the picture, and then. This next clip, this is basically uh, the last one that I have for this episode. This is a, a fairly long one, a couple minutes long. Uh, Korra gets uh, wounded, uh, and Jedzia makes her, makes her way up towards the albino, and uh, right after Kang actually does, Kang, and uh, this clip starts that I'm going to play for you is Kang and I think the albino fighting uh, with uh, his batlith, even though uh, Kang's batlith, you will hear kind of a clang in the uh, clip have to kind of describe it for you. He s- tries to swing at the albino, and he hits like a, a railing or something, and, the, and his uh, bat lift breaks. 
which allows the albino to uh, stab Kang. So I'll play that clip for you, and then we'll come back and kind of wrap up the discussion on Blood Oath. No vengeance today, Kang. And who are you, girl? You knew me as Curzon Dax. The Trill. Of course. Well, you're far too young and lovely to sport such a deadly weapon. All right, then. Use it, if that's what you came to do. Kill me in cold blood. Run me through the belly and cut out my heart. Isn't that what your blood oath promised? Or have you lost your appetite, my dear? <laughs> Thank you for saving the death blow for me. You have honored me one last time. Godfather to my son. Where is Koloth? He is dead. Oh. I was right, Dax. It is a good day to die. It's never a good day to lose a friend. Okay, well, there you have uh, Blood Oath, uh, a really great Deep Space Nine episode. Uh, the character of Kor uh, was the only one to survive of the three Klingons. He actually turns up uh, later uh, in a late, uh, I think it's in the seventh season episode, uh, where he comes to uh, grab a wharf to go off and search for the Sword of Kalos, uh, a legendary Klingon warrior. So that's, Kor uh, does come back again, uh, which is kind of neat. I really liked it, and... Uh, uh, that that little compound house that they actually um, show in this episode was is out uh, not too far uh, out from Los Angeles, and it was a uh, it's a house designed by Frank Lloyd Wright, which I thought was kind of interesting when I looked up some info on this particular episode. That was a uh, a real house, which of course the interior of it is not quite what you see. You know, the, I'm talking about the way it looks from the outside. So uh, when uh, Dax and the three Klingons are approaching the uh, the house of or, or the compound that the albino is, is in, so there you have it. And uh, to wrap up the final part of this discussion on Blood Oath, we have another audio clip uh, from our friends uh, Nathan and Rick Moyer, uh, who discussed the episode as well in their own uh, inimitable style, which uh, I'm I'm really starting to enjoy and and looking forward to hearing their take on these episodes. So here's a, a couple minutes with Rick and Nathan, and then I'll be back with uh, some more Treks in sci-fi and a collectible to look at. So here's Rick and Nathan on Blood Oath. Hey, Rico, this is Rick. And this is Nathan. And this is the Father, Father and Son Review. Review. 
Hey, Blood Oath was a great episode for many reasons. I really enjoy seeing, like, you know, old actors from the original series and stuff. That's always great to see them in new makeup. It was great to see Kor, Koloth, and Kang. In fact, I remember them from the original series, and wow, they look great. Celebrity Celebrity sightings! sightings. Hey, did you notice who Kor was? Mm -hmm. He was Baltar from the original Battlestar Galactica. Oh, I, I, I like that character. And you know, Koloth is the original series Q, Trelane from the Squire of Gothos. How cool. You know who Kane is? Who? He's the voice of Mr. Freeze from Batman, the animated series. Oh, that's cool. And you know, he also married Jeannie from I Dream of Jeannie. (laughs) Hey, you know, I like the strong messages in this episode. It was stuff like friendship, loyalty, keeping your promises, stuff like that. Yeah, I really like the episodes that explore Dax and all the, like, her past lives and stuff. It always... I really like that kind of stuff. That is cool. I found it interesting that the whole revenge thing kind of ruined the old Klingons' lives. They're kind of obsessed with it, and even though it brought them together, they all died for it. Of course, they are Klingons, and I guess that's what they needed to do to go out. Stovacor, here we come. Well, it's time for Pun Pun City! City. Yeah, well, the Klingon guy's makeup was better than the albinos, so uh, eat your heart out, albino. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, the episode was really heartfelt. The albino was creepy, but I thought he was a cool character. Overall, we give this episode three Three and a half half stars. stars. There you go, Rico. Keep up the cool podcast. This is Rick. And this is Nathan. See you sometime soon. Live Live long and and prosper. Hey, thanks once again, Rick and Nathan, for your own uh, special take on the episode Blood Oath. Uh, Really appreciate those. Uh, Keep them coming, guys. Really liked it. This show is part of the Out of This World Entertainment on the Sci-Fi Podcast Network, tsfpn.com. All right, since I don't have a Klingon Batleth yet uh, to discuss on the collectible section, even though I do have a Klingon uh, knife, which uh, uh, I think I've talked about that before. But anyway, I've got a different collectible to talk about uh, this week. This is uh, from uh, the uh, another great TV show that I've enjoy, enjoyed uh, and still do, I guess, uh, on DVDs. Uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, which I did a special Buffy uh, Angel podcast some uh, months back. But the uh, the item I'm going to talk about is it's from uh, Sideshow Toys. It just came out uh, not that long ago, maybe about a month or so, maybe a little longer. It's a uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer statue made by Sideshow. This is uh, a really nice, it's a like what they call a premium format statue. It's about 18, 19 inches tall. Um, this is a version of Buffy as seen in some of uh, the earlier seasons, probably around season two or so, uh, due to the way she's uh, uh, sculpted, I guess you could say, the hairstyle, her outfit, things like that. She's in like the kind of the black uh, mini dress that she wore a lot of times in the earlier episodes, uh, black boots, and it comes on a really nice display stand, and this there is an, uh, sort of an exclusive, a uh, smaller edition of this statue, around 500 in number, that they made, which I got, uh, which includes the uh, the vampire book uh, as this little uh, sculpted book that you can lay on the bottom of the stand also. So you get that little as an extra for this. Uh, her outfit is uh, like a, they put a, like a cloth outfit. It's not painted on or anything like that. So it's pretty neat the way they did it. Uh, a lot like they did the Seven of Nine statue uh, that came out for, uh, in their Star Trek line. Uh, probably that was about six months back for that one. But this, she's got a uh, 
her Mr. Pointy stake that she stakes all the vampires with as a separate little item that you can slip into her hand. Uh, I have to say it was a little tricky to get this piece to uh, to stand on the base properly. They Sideshow does a nice job with these things. They put these metal pins on the base, and one of the pins fits into each of her uh, the soles of each of her boots or whatever. But when I was trying to put it in, it didn't quite line up, so I had to do a little bit of uh, bending on the pins to make that fit in real well. I think uh, just like uh, Sideshow in general, uh, they did a great job with this item. For If you're a Buffy the Vampire Slayer fan and uh, can afford it, it's not uh, super cheap. I'll put some links in the podcast notes, of course, some pictures in the gallery uh, off the website uh, for you guys to take a look at. Uh, but it's a really nice piece. The only thing it, I wish it had come with is some kind of a display cover or something like that. Uh, I'm going to have to get something soon to keep the dust off of it. Uh, especially the um, the fabric on her dress, since it's black, it will. Uh, I think it's going to attract a lot of dust eventually. But uh, for now, it's okay. Uh, might just zip over to IKEA and pick up another nice glass display case uh, to uh, to put these things in. Uh, but they do a nice job with these. They uh, really, I think the likeness is pretty good. Um, the um, the overall presentation of it is is great, and it's a limited edition. Uh, excuse me, limited edition. So that's always nice. So so that's uh, my little take on the Buffy uh, premium format uh, statue figure from Sideshow, which just came out. Uh, and I think uh, I think the premium edition, uh, you know, the one with the little book add-on, is uh, sold out. Uh, probably got them on eBay, but I think there's still I think they're still available. The regular edition of it, I, I'm not positive, but check Sideshow Toys uh, out, and I'll put links again in the podcast notes for all that info on this item. And for uh, show 99, one away from 100, uh, I think that's just going to about do it for this week, folks. Uh, again, next Saturday, watch the main page of the website uh, for the official final announcement. But I believe it will, the show 100 live show will be recorded next Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hope to see a lot of people uh, online in the chat for that for prize giveaways and all the fun that will be going on. I'll be probably starting a little before one maybe about 12 with some music i can play audio through that uh, uh video uh, live cast and things like that so look for that then i think it's going to be uh, a really good fun show to do so uh oh also if you get a chance check out podcast alley vote for uh, treks and sci-fi over there i'd really appreciate that and i think uh that's going to wrap it up for this week. Uh, got a lot of good things coming up in 2007. I'm trying to get some people on on the uh, kind of some mini interviews, things like that. I uh, got some uh, things I want to do more for the website. I uh, might even throw a couple of new little videos I might put together about different uh, maybe collectibles, other topics and that. So got some uh, things cooking I think everyone's going to enjoy. So until next time, hey, I'm going to take, uh, as they say, take the show out with... Uh, a little music again this week. Uh, this is a song called Surf Trek that was sent to me from Richard uh, in uh, Melbourne, Australia. Richard sent me a lot of uh, Star Trek-related music over the last week or two, and this is one of the songs he sent. I think it's just all instrumental, but it's kind of got a neat little Star Trek. It's kind of like if Star Trek met the old TV show Hawaii Five-0, uh, if you can believe it. Uh, it's uh, I'm not even sure if I had heard it before, and I thought I heard just about everything Star Trek-related music out there, but I, uh, I guess I haven't. So, uh, And Richard had a good suggestion to do sort of a, uh, a Star Trek music uh, show about some of the actors that have sung and things like uh, these uh, 
bands that have put out Star Trek music uh, in different capacities in different ways. So I'm probably going to be doing that sometime in the near future. So uh, until then, thanks everyone for listening. Live long and prosper. And I will talk to you next week on Big One 100, Big Show 100. <laughs> Enough about that already, Rico. Jeez. Okay, here we go with Surf Trek. Take care, everyone. Talk to you next time. This has been a Rick Dosti podcast production. 